We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 473 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. It is the day on which we will be getting a quarterback decision from Commander's head coach Ron Rivera. Well, we think that we're getting the decision. We're pretty sure that we're getting the decision. Ron actually did a Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon, but said that there was no quarterback decision. Now, personally, I think that Ron already has made his decision, but he on Tuesday afternoon announced no decision. Uh, Well, the commanders on Wednesday are practicing in preparation for their game against the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. We, after the practice, are scheduled to have post-practice press conferences for both Ron and whoever the team's starting quarterback is. So, yeah, uh, we on Wednesday should learn of the decision. Not since LeBron James took his talents to the Miami Heat in 2010, has a decision been so anticipated? LeBron James? Yes, LeBron James, a.k.a. The King, a.k.a. Bron Bron. We in July 2010 had the decision from LeBron. We in December 2022 have the decision from LeBron. How do you like that? LaRon Rivera. Can we go with that? Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I would be very surprised, and I'm guessing that most of you would be very surprised, if Ron Rivera does not go with Carson Wentz as a team starting quarterback for this Sunday afternoon's game against the Browns. But of course, you never know. Uh, Next segment, I'll discuss what Ron did say on Tuesday afternoon, including his emphasis on wanting to speak with players before making slash announcing his quarterback decision. Uh, That emphasis definitely stood out. You'll also hear Ron address how Carson Wentz and Taylor Haneke played in the 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday and a lot more. Uh, After that, I have a segment for you on some non-quarterback items that Ron Rivera addressed on Tuesday afternoon, including the season debut of edge defender Chase Young and some encouraging words on safety Cameron Curl potentially playing in this game against the Browns off having been inactive for the loss at the Niners due to an ankle injury. And then after that, a special guest, the radio voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. Uh, We will go in-depth on the commanders, including his thoughts on the Ron Rivera quarterback decision, uh, the calculus on whether Carson Wentz and or Taylor Heineke will be back with the commanders next season, where the team went wrong with its offensive line, and a lot more. Uh, Brad's a good dude. I worked with him at what is now the Team 980 for years. Uh, he owns a podcast company, Empire Media. It was very good to me when I started this podcast nearly two years ago. So it's good to talk commanders with Bram on the pod. Also on the show, the Capitals and the Wizards. Each team on Tuesday night played for the first time since this past Friday night, and each team on Tuesday night won. The Caps are flying. Uh, They won for a 10th time in 11 games, a 4-0 win at the New York Rangers as the Caps won their sixth 
consecutive road game, tying a franchise record for their longest road winning streak in a regular season. The Wizards, uh, they won for a third time in four games and snapped the eight-game winning streak of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, A 116-111 win over the 76ers at Capital One Arena. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Willie Nelson. Uh, No, not that Willie Nelson. Uh, On the commander's defense in a loss at the Niners on Saturday, writes Willie, how the commanders did not cover San Francisco's best option in George Kittle blows my mind. The commanders totally fell apart defensively. Disappointed to see. Uh, Thank you for that, Willie. Uh, Yeah, that was disappointing to see. The commanders had done such a good job on tight ends this season, but George Kittle finished the game with six receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns on eight targets. And his second touchdown reception, the third quarter 33-yard touchdown reception, was an embarrassment. Uh, Kittle was so open, he ended up generating 27 yards after the catch and running into the end zone untouched. Uh, Email from Stanley Evans on the Commander's Playoff Hopes. Right, Stanley, all we got to do to make the playoffs is win our final two regular season games, regardless of what any other team does. If we don't win our final two games, which are home games, then we don't deserve to make the playoffs. Would you agree with that? Uh, Thank you for the email, Stanley. I would agree with that. Uh, Although the Commanders can make the postseason by winning just one of their final two regular season games. And if that happens, I am not going to complain. Uh, But yeah, if the Commanders finish the regular season 8-8-1 or 7-9-1 and and not in the postseason, then that's on them, especially considering that the team would have faded down the stretch. I mean, you look at this Commanders regular season right now, 1-4 start, then six wins in seven games. But since then, 0-2-1. Email from Jack L. On the commander's offensive line, writes Jack, our offensive line is like a car riding on four donut spare tires because the car's real tires, parentheses, Trent Williams, Eric Flowers, Brandon Sheriff, and Morgan Moses, end of parentheses, are all on other cars. Our car may give an okay ride on side streets, but it cannot give a good ride on the highway. Al, great job with your podcast. I listen every pod day, and thank you for the good and informative work that you do. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, same to you, Jack, and thank you uh, for that email. You know, no unit on the commanders this season has been more disappointing than the offensive line has been especially in terms of pass protection. The offensive line in the 2020 and 2021 seasons ended up being a surprising strength. The offensive line this season, a surprising weakness. And to me, uh, an offensive line overhaul is needed this offseason. Well, if you are in need of a law firm uh, due to having been the victim of someone else's negligence, uh, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. 
Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, the decision is no decision, at least not yet. At least no decision has been publicly announced. Uh, Personally, I think that Commander's head coach Ron Rivera has made his decision on who the commander's starting quarterback for this game against the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1 will be. But Ron did a Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon, and he said that he did not have a quarterback decision. Uh, He said that the team had meetings on Tuesday and that he was going to talk to players on Wednesday when the team is beginning its practice week for this game against the Browns. Nothing that Ron said during his Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon made me think that he isn't going with Carson Wentz. And like I said, I think that Ron already has made his decision. I think that his decision had been made on Saturday when he benched Taylor Heineke in favor of Carson in the fourth quarter of the 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Something that stood out in particular from Ron on Tuesday afternoon, though, was an emphasis on wanting to talk to players. Uh, Ron got asked what factors he is looking at before making his decision, and this was his answer. Well, I just want to make sure I've got an opportunity to speak to everybody before I make a decision. I want to make sure I've got all the you know, all the thoughts and ideas and concepts. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, the decision is going to be made based on what I believe is best for us going forward. It, I think gives us the best opportunity right now. That's what this is really about. Yeah, you could tell in listening to Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon that the players being on board with this decision matters a lot. Ron does not want to lose the locker room, and I get that. I mean, I commend him for that. Uh, There's nothing wrong with wanting to make sure that your players understand why you're doing what you're doing and wanting to make sure that what you're doing doesn't like completely go against the overwhelming majority opinion of the players. You know, Ron should do what Ron thinks is in the best interest of the team. But if Ron, say, wants to go with Carson Wentz, but the overwhelming majority of the players want to stick with Taylor Heineke and team leaders like receiver Terry McLaurin and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen make compelling arguments for sticking with Taylor, then all of that should be considered. Uh, This was Ron on Tuesday afternoon on how significant players' opinions on who should be the commander's starting quarterback are. Well, it's important to me. I mean, you know, they should have a voice and, 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 and understand, you know, as far as what I'm thinking as well. Yeah, and right there, you heard Ron Rivera talk about what I just talked about. Ron wants to make sure that the players understand where he's coming from, but also wants to make sure that he isn't losing the players in making his decision. Uh, more from Ron on Tuesday afternoon on these conversations with players. I'm just trying to get into a conversation with, with individuals, you know, and just kind of talk to them and listen to them and then, and then, and then be able to talk and, and so they can listen to me. I think right now, you know, in, in terms of communications, I think listening is, is, is a lot better as opposed to, to, to doing those things. So I'm really there, – there's, there, there's a few guys that, that I want to make sure I touch bases with and get an opportunity to sit down and talk to. Yeah, again, major theme from Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon, communicating with his players. Uh, The benching of Taylor Heineke in the loss at the Niners was kind of funny in a way because he, up until his two fourth quarter turnovers, was having arguably his best game of the season. Uh, Taylor, during his time of the game, 13 of 18 for 166 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged 9.22 yards per pass attempt against an elite defense. The 49ers for the 2022 regular season through week 15 were number five in the NFL in pass defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. But Taylor, during his time in the game, also had the two turnovers, uh, an early fourth quarter loss fumble on a sack strip and a fourth quarter interception. Uh, Taylor now, over the commander's last three games, has five fumbles, including four loss fumbles on sack strips. But of course, a good bit of that has been on a commander's offensive line that this season has completely collapsed 
in terms of pass protection. Uh, We on Tuesday got the latest rankings in ESPN's team pass block win rate for this 2022 regular season. The Commanders are 28th out of 32 NFL teams in team pass block win rate for ESPN. 28th out of 32. Uh, That is shameful. (laughs) This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on how much the state of the offensive line is a factor in his quarterback decision. Well, um, I think it's actually, um, you know, I'm not as worried about it. I think it's people are making it out to be. I mean, you know, on up to a certain point, you know, we were handling it pretty well. Um, And then once it got to a certain point, it, it, it became tough on those guys. That right there was an interesting answer. Now, of course, Ron Rivera isn't just going to trash his offensive line, but if you've been paying attention to these Ron press conferences lately, he has been suggesting, if not outright saying, that at least some of the protection problems have been on Taylor Heineke. And that response from Ron that I just played for you may well have been another instance of Ron suggesting that at least some of the pass protection problems are on Taylor. Uh, as for Carson Wentz, so Saturday's game was his first game since suffering the fractured ring finger on his right hand in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football on October 13th. You certainly cannot go crazy with what Carson did at the Niners, considering the sample size and also considering that a good chunk of his work came in garbage time. But overall, I thought that he looked pretty good. 12 of 16 for 123 yards, a touchdown and no interceptions. He took no sacks. His fourth quarter, third and 10, 20-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Curtis Samuel was impressive. Came on a great throw. Carson on that drive, 7 of 10 for 73 yards and the touchdown. Uh, Fourth snap of the drive, Carson, a first and 10, 21-yard shotgun completion to running back Jonathan Williams as Carson, while being taken down by edge defender Nick Bosa, somehow got off a shovel pass to a wide-open Williams for a 21-yard gain. Uh, Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on if what he saw from Carson on Saturday was indicative of Carson now having a better grasp of the commander's offense as compared to where he was with the offense over his first six starts in this 2022 regular season? Well, I, I think what he showed was that, um, you know, he, he's fully healthy. Uh, he's, he's fresh, got fresh legs right now. He got a lively arm. Um, he made very quick decisions. He showed us the, the, that quick twitch that you look for in quarterbacks. Um, and he, his decision-making seems to be, seemed to be right on. Uh, one of the things that he handled very well was he picked up the blitz a couple times and got the ball out. Um, very quickly, um, which was something that, you know, early on, and in, in I think he was, he wasn't as, as quick with. Now it looks like he, he, he's, he's got a little bit better sense and better feel for that, uh, especially within this offense. Yeah, and given the pass protection problems for the offense, uh, that understanding is a good thing. Look, as I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 472, Ron Rivera isn't exactly choosing between two great quarterback options in Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. I mean, both Taylor and Carson are capable of playing well and have played well at times this season, but the truth is that each guy's overall body of work this season isn't good. You have 33 quarterbacks who qualify for the NFL leaderboard for ESPN's total QBR for this 2022 regular season. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Taylor Heineke is 25th out of those 33 qualified quarterbacks with a total QBR of 45. Carson Wentz is 31st among those 33 qualified quarterbacks with a total QBR of 32.6. More from Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on his decision. Well, I think there's a lot of things that go into it, and there's a lot of factors. And, and, and so for me, you know, just trying to be able to, to legitimately answer those, 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 those factors, those, those, those things that, um, that I, I, I think about, those things that I have to contemplate in terms of my decision-making. Quite honestly, it's, it's something that I've thought about for 12 seasons is, is how would I ever handle this if I ever got to this point. And this is the first time I've really gotten to this point as a head coach. Yeah, and what's so odd about this quarterback decision is that it's coming as the commanders can clinch a playoff spot this Sunday. Normally, when an NFL head coach this deep into an NFL season is having to make a quarterback decision, 
Well, that's because his team isn't very good or his team is out of playoff contention. Well, the Commanders are 7-7-1 seven, seven, and one, and in possession of the NFC's number seven seed and third and final wildcard spot. Uh, we this Sunday afternoon have the Commanders home to the Cleveland Browns at one, the Detroit Lions home to the Chicago Bears at one, the Seattle Seahawks home to the New York Jets at 4.05, and the Green Bay Packers home to the Minnesota Vikings at 425. If this Sunday the Commanders win and the Lions lose, the Seahawks lose, and the Packers lose or tie, the Commanders clinch a playoff spot. Uh, Also, if the Commanders simply win their final two regular season games, the Commanders clinch a playoff spot. Uh, However, what's also true is that if this Sunday the Commanders lose and the Lions and Packers win, then the Commanders are eliminated from playoff contention. More from Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on his quarterback decision. Well, first of all, I think we're in a good situation. I think our circumstances are good Um, because I do like both guys. I do think both guys are more than capable, that's for sure. Um, I just, as I go through this, at these circumstances – um, you know, do they do they dictate this is what I do? Um, and once I decide to do it, and we'll see how it all uh, unfolds. And at some point, I'll, I'll be able to sit down and really talk about it once we're done. And we on Wednesday should find out the decision officially uh, as the commanders on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for this game against the Browns. And the commanders have announced that doing post-practice press conferences will be Ron Rivera and whoever the commander's starting quarterback is. All right, please consider subscribing to the Al Galdi podcast. If you're not already doing that, subscribing costs you nothing and makes it so that each episode is downloaded right to your device. Uh, Also, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, The review can be just like a sentence or two. Uh, The ratings in the reviews help out a lot, uh, so thank you for doing them. More now from Commander's Head Coach Rod Rivera's Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon. Let us get into the non-quarterback items from Ron. So maybe the biggest positive for the Commanders in their 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday was the season debut of edge defender Chase Young. Uh, He played on 30 of the Commanders' defensive snaps, a lot more than the 12-16 defensive snaps that he had been expected to play. Uh, Chase flashed on multiple plays, and he, for the game, was the highest graded commander's player for pro football focus as he registered an overall grade of 87.4. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Not a bad season debut for the Predator, uh, considering that this was his first game in more than 13 months, right? His first game since suffering the torn right knee and the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on how Chase Young came out of the game, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com. Well, I thought Chase came out really well. He did some really good things on tape. Um, you know, we exceeded what we thought. We were, we were shooting for 12 to 16, but we did tell him that I would check with him to see where he was. I would check with the trainers to see how they felt about him. Um, and when we got to that point, uh, he was still anxious, ready to go. And I did tell him, you know, hey, look, we just want to be smart. We, we will play you a few more. But, again, we don't want you to get fatigued. last thing we want is for you to get hurt again. Uh, he just kept saying, Coach, I'm in great shape. I've been, that's one thing I kept up. So, And he showed us. He did a nice job. So next week, the expectation is to see if he can go a little bit more. Um, I think we'll put a little bit more on him in terms of, you know, playing him earlier in the downs, um, playing him um, a few more reps in a row before we, before we rotate him out. So um, I'm pretty excited and anxious to continue to watch him uh, continue to develop. And can you speak to just what he brought to the table and his play itself out there and kind of what, what you get from a guy like that, that that was nice to see? Well, he's a high energy guy. And, and you know, and, and when things are going, you know, well and he's he's doing the things he's capable of, he can be a, a high-impact kind of guy. Um, I think what he'll do, too, is, is, is if he's, you know, can get himself to form up quickly, up to form, um, you know, people will start have to pay attention to him a little bit more as well. And that, I think, will help uh, offset some of the stuff that uh, Montez has been having to deal with all season. 
You know, one thing to keep in mind with the commanders regarding their edge defenders, uh, James Smith-Williams in the loss at the Niners was evaluated for a head injury. He played on 35% of the commander's defensive snaps, so it could be that Chase Young playing more is needed uh, if Smith-Williams is out uh, or is limited for this upcoming game against the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Well, someone who was out for the Commanders at the Niners uh, was safety Cameron Curl. Uh, He was inactive due to an ankle injury. Uh, The Commanders' defense really got going this season when Cam made his season debut in the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3. He had been inactive for each of the Commanders' first two games of the regular season due to a right thumb injury that he suffered in the preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on August 20th. It's no coincidence that the Commanders on Saturday had arguably their worst defensive game since the defensive turnaround, and Cam on Saturday was inactive. Uh, He's a key player for this defense, clearly. Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday afternoon on if Cam Curl has a good chance to play against the Browns. I think so. Um, You got a chance to see him work out uh, on Sunday morning, and, and, you know, he was really close. He he really was, And, and it was one of those things that you know, he just he he just couldn't stick it and go. Uh, but he was close. He really was. And um, you know, and, and and watching him in rehab today, um, you know, and seeing him do some of the the one legged stuff, that was um, you know, I, I think he's he's a lot closer than, than than he was last week. All right. So good news there because obviously the commanders on Saturday missed themselves some Cam Curl. Right on Tuesday afternoon on what the commanders on Saturday missed in not having Cam. Well, you know, he's a little bit of an air traffic controller. He, he can get, help get guys lined up, um, and he's one of those guys that thinks very quickly on his feet. So if he sees somebody out of place, he can get himself into position to help take up that spot. So he, he's a very headsy, smart football player. Um, you know, he's he's he, he runs very very well for his size. So he's like a you know he's like an impact linebacker at times when he's down in the box, and then when he's back in coverage because of his, his speed and range, he can cover a lot of ground. Yes, he can. Uh, Also from Rod Rivera on Tuesday afternoon was him revealing that running back Antonio Gibson in the loss at the Niners suffered a sprain. Uh, Now, Rod would not say exactly what was sprained. Uh, Would only say that Gibson suffered a sprain. Uh, Gibson on Saturday, five carries for 10 yards and two receptions for 21 yards on three targets. He played on 29% of the commander's offensive snaps. He also had a muffed catch for a fumble uh, that he did recover on a third quarter kickoff return. Uh, We then did see receiver Dax Milne serve as the commander's primary kickoff returner. Up next, our special guest, the radio voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on what Ron Rivera should do at quarterback, uh, what the likelihood is of Carson Wentz and or Taylor Heineke being back with the commanders for next season, whether the defense is in position to lead the team to the playoffs, and a lot more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Commanders are in the midst of a playoff race. No podcast or show covers the Commanders like this podcast does. And so now's a great time to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast, especially as we approach the new year. If you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I am very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast. A man who I worked with for years at what is now the Team 980. He is the radio voice of the Commanders, Bram Weinstein. Uh, Bram also is the host of the Bram Weinstein Show, weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on ESPN 630 in Washington, D.C. And he is the owner of Empire Media, a great podcasting company. You can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW. Hey, Bram. Happy holidays. How are you? Yeah, man. Merry Christmas, Al. How are you? Doing well. I have to say, respect to you for, on your radio show, not pulling any punches in talking about the commanders. A lot of play-by-play announcers become scared uh, to be critical. Uh, you, to me, are talking about the team in the same way in which you talked about the team prior to becoming its play-by-play voice. So props to you. Appreciate it. Maybe the team doesn't know I have a radio show, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've lived by the same position that I always have, which is... As long as it's not personal and we're just talking about football, then I think everything there is pretty much fair game. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about the quarterback decision, which is going to be an awkward decision. But how would I do a radio show with without giving my personal opinion about both of them? So, like, I think I think um, it goes back to a relationship with the team, a trust relationship with the team. There are a few things that I do have that I can't reveal, you know, like I get to watch more practice than the other media members do. So I'll never reveal formations or if I see something happening that might be, you know, something that's game planning stuff, I'll always keep that to myself. Um, And, you know, I do have a little I think I think I know the line is the way that I would put it. I think I know where the line is. Well, that's good. And of course, it's good to have that. So head coach Ron Rivera did a Zoom press conference on Tuesday afternoon, did not announce a quarterback decision, uh, even though it still very much feels like he's going to go with Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke as the team starting quarterback for this game against the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at one. Uh, Who, in your opinion, should Ron go with, Carson or Taylor? Um, God, it's such a, it's a tough thing to answer because this is awkward. Like normally at this point in time, the season's over if you're going to make a decision like this. Uh, but because there's so much on the line, I think that's what makes this thing odd. Um, I personally believe for not just this year, but really for to get a full evaluation of Carson Wentz, considering that you gave up the assets that you gave up for him, that I think you need to see him one more time. I, I don't believe there was a complete picture after five or six games. And I know there's a lot of people that seem to have made their decision. Those are the people, in my opinion, that made their decision when they signed him, that they didn't think he would end up being the right guy for them. And I understand why people came to that conclusion, but they didn't give him, I don't think they gave him a fair chance. And at this point, like, they're not running the same offense they were running at the beginning of the year. So more than anything else, if they're going to be a run-first offense that goes off of play action, then I kind of, before we decide what we're going to do next year, I need to see what he looks like in that offense to make a real evaluation about him. And if they like made some kind of miracle run to the Super Bowl after this, the first person I would give a ring to is Taylor Heineke. Uh, but you know, like right now, I just think it's the right time to go back to take a look. Um, you know, Rod Rivera is very selective with his words, and when he said, "Why is he keeping Heineke in?" a couple of weeks ago, they were winning. It's all he said: winning. They're not winning anymore, and I don't blame him for that. And I don't think anybody does, which I think is what makes this really odd too. Uh, but I think we need to see what Wentz looks like one more time. 
You mentioned the way that Ron Rivera has talked about Taylor Heineke. Ron, during Taylor's time as the team's starting quarterback this season, has spoken of Taylor in a pretty blunt, matter-of-fact way. And then you look at what happened in the 37-20 loss at the San Francisco 49ers this past Saturday. Uh, Taylor was having, arguably, his best game of the season, committed the two fourth-quarter turnovers, and then that was it. Uh, That seemed like the opening that Ron was uh, perhaps looking for to bench Taylor for Carson. Do you think that Ron has been wanting to go back to Carson? Yeah, well, I don't know if I would put it that way. I would say I think that everything that's happened over the last five, six weeks is all of the reasons why they acquired him in the first place, Wentz. Um, that it's not that they don't like Heineke. They did resign him. Like people forget that part. Like they, they resigned him. They don't dislike him. They just believe that they needed something else in the position. And there's no question that this is a higher tier ceiling athlete in Wentz. So that's why they signed him. Plus, you know, I think there's a pedigree there. I mean, this is the number two overall pick. This is someone who, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was an MVP conversations. And I know a lot has changed, but they stated they needed to improve the quarterback play. So I'm not sure that I would say like he was looking to do this, but it was so clear to me a few weeks ago that there was a path to his return if Heineke didn't keep winning, even if it wasn't Heineke's fault. Like the weirdest part about the San Francisco game was you could argue until he had the turnovers in the fourth quarter, it was one of his best games. And that was really, that was the odd part of this whole thing. So it makes it feel like they were just waiting for the opportunity to do this. I would just say like, I think my read on it has been what I said earlier. I think that they want to get a look at him one more time. I think they need to make a very full evaluation. I think we all recognize that they are going to look at literally all options again at quarterback, including when it's coming back, including finding a different quarterback, including drafting a quarterback. And I think they need to make a full evaluation. So want to do it and have the opportunity to do it and feel like it's the right thing to do. I think they all collided in two turnovers and three plays in what would be a third straight winless game. So many things, of course, can change between now and the end of the commander's season. That said, given where we are now, which scenario do you think is most likely for next season? Both Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke are back with the Commanders. Uh, only one of the two is back or neither is back. Okay, so on Heineke, I think it's going to be about how much money is there on the open market for him. You know, obviously they can't tag him or, or limit him in any way because it would cost them too much against their cap to do so. So for him, it's going to be what, uh, how much interest is there on the market? What's the price point? Um, and then, you know, I think up to him, I think he, you know, this two years in a row that like they've decided they wanted to get somebody into, you know, quote unquote, replace him. So how does he feel about that? Does he want to just stay here and be the backup? I don't know. So that one's going to be price point, And I can't answer that until we know, like if someone came along and offered him more money than you would expect. Um, with Wentz, I think these next two games or potentially more if they're to win them will be the telling tale. Also, I've, I have felt this way for really a while now. The best part about his contract is the next two years, that you have him under contract, but there is no guaranteed money. Um, so, like, dependent on his performance, you know, the next few weeks, if it doesn't go very well, there's probably going to be a lot of pressure to look for an alternative, and they probably won't do anything with him until they have that alternative, i.e. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, right? Or um, they have the other choice, which is restructure. And that will come down to what do you think he would get on the open market if you leveraged him that way um, and then try to alter his salary so that it's beneficial against your cap. And they could do that by making him whole or they could do that by forcing a pay cut. So all of those things I think are in play. And that's why I think they needed to have a full evaluation here. We've been through this before. Go watch the Colts. Like what they did last year, whether they liked Wentz or not was completely nuts Like to do what they did, to just get rid of him with no plan B, and it has spiraled out of control, like what they did. So you could sit there and tell me, like there are probably some people listening to this going like, I don't want him back, or I don't think he's good, or whatever, however you feel about him, I've seen enough, or whatever, whatever it is. Here's what I know is fact. If you don't have an alternative, you're going to be stuck looking for something else, unless you are 
just delusionally in belief that Sam Howell is definitively the quarterback next year. And if that's the case, then yeah, they'll move on from both of them and they'll draft somebody I'll be their quarterback. But there's no proof in my mind that that's the case at this point yet. So I think we need to see what happens here and ask me this again in a month. Because if things go really poorly over the next few weeks, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Rivera and company to find an alternative. If it goes either moderately well or pretty well, I think they're going to feel like, let's restructure, lower our cap charge, try to resign Deron Payne, go invest in the offensive line again. And we have a quarterback that's not making 30 to $40 million next year. We have a guy who's got a cap charge in the teens. We're talking with the radio voice of the Commanders, Bram Weinstein. Uh, you referenced the offensive line. Regardless of who has been a quarterback for the Commanders this season, the pass protection has been a problem. This has been a surprise to a lot of people. I know that this has been a surprise to me of Washington's offensive line having been good in each of the previous two seasons. What happened with the offensive line? Like, If you had to explain the reasons for the fall off to someone who doesn't follow the team, what would you say? I think this goes back to last spring. Like I, I was, it was the most curious decisions I thought the team made, like going into the season. They will preach that they have depth, and I agree with them. Um, but I don't think they had the level of starters that they did the previous year. Um, so the sheriff thing still is a mystery to me. For they tried to pay him, so I don't, I don't know why he didn't want to resign here. He just didn't. Like he, so you know, I don't know what you want to do about it. Like that's not their fault. The guy just didn't want to be here anymore. You know, for whatever reason it is. So they lost him. You're not going to get someone of his level again, you know, unless you're willing to pay market value. You're not going to get someone of his level again. So there's a drop off there no matter what. The other guard position was extremely curious. They look a little validated by the fact that Eric Flowers never signed with anybody else. And clearly there was a money discrepancy when they tried to restructure because they wanted to keep him. There was a a money discrepancy, but he's gone. And, you know, what they ended up replacing them with are two guys who've been around the block for a long time who at periods of time were pro bowlers, but they were older now. And, you know, the red flag went up early in camp when both of them were hurt, both of them. And I think this really is, and listen, I love Charles Leno, and I think Cosby is going to be a very good player, maybe as a tackle and probably as a guard, but like, I think he's going to be helpful for them. But if you look at their tackles at the same time, no one's putting them in the pro bowl. So, like, they had, in my opinion, a, you know, it was going to be a vulnerability line. Could they work through it? And they got, they had one unlucky thing that Roulier got hurt again, because I think Roulier is a very good center, but they got unlucky again with that. So, to me, this really is of their own making from decisions that they made in the spring. And I felt like that it was going to be something that was potentially problematic, but I was willing to buy into the whole their offensive line coach is well-regarded, has done a really good job with the group in the past couple of years. They've navigated a lot of injuries and still been able to be at least productive. But I did not think they came in with a frontline starting five, one, that was set because of injuries in training camp. And two, I think you could, you know, I think reasonably think that Norwell and Trey Turner were not going to make it through 17 games. So you're going to have a rotating cast, which is, I think an interesting plan to go into a season with. So I think they need to recalibrate that one. And every team's got vulnerable spots. Theirs are corner linebacker offensive line. They've had some unfortunate realities with their, one of their best linebackers getting hurt. It's starting to show up now. Um, The corner situation was thin. It got thinner when they had to trade William Jackson. Like to me, like that's just a vulnerability of a roster and everybody's got them. The offensive line one is the one that I look at and go, I think they're going to rethink what they did last year, and I think they're going to alter it, and they're going to spend some money to fix it this offseason. With the commander's defense, it, of course, overall has been really good this season. Uh, The defense, though, did not have its best performance in the loss at the 49ers. Uh, Do you feel like this commander's defense is in a position from which it can play at a high level and lead the commanders to enough success over the team's final two regular season games to make the playoffs? So, I mean, this weekend, and I haven't watched the Browns yet, so I shouldn't really be talking about them. All I've all I've really seen are the results that they've had and Deshaun's numbers, and and it certainly, without watching them on tape yet, feels like 
That's distinctly possible this weekend. Cold day, road game, their season's over. Clearly Deshaun's not Deshaun yet. Like, so I would like to think that they're not going to have to score 30 points to win. Like, I would like to think that. Again, that's another one. Ask me at the end of the week, and I'll tell you what I think about the Browns, for real. You know, like right now, that's just my guess, and having not really paid that close attention to them the last few weeks. Um, so hopefully that's the case. And then Dallas, I mean, if the Eagles win this weekend, Dallas is locked into the wild card. I mean, they're not going to play Dak. They're not going to play Zeke. They're not going to play C.D. Lamb. I mean, they'd be crazy to do it. They're like, so I have to think that their backups are in. And, we, you know, I know they lost to their backup quarterback already, but, you know, this is backup offensive line. I mean, they're not going to get anybody hurt. I would think they're not going to get anybody hurt or risk it. So I think it's a different team that's out there. So I'd like to think that that's a possibility. Um, the way I would kind of describe their defense was, I started to get concerned that they were not going to be what they'd been for the bulk of the season in the Atlanta game. Like that was the first time I saw their run defense become vulnerable in a while. Um, and I still do think obviously it's their strength. Um, and it really does, in my opinion, I hate putting pressure on them. It does come down to how the defensive line plays. Like when they are as disruptive as they were mid season, um, it was almost cartoonish how good they were. Um, when that's happening, it really masks everything behind them. When they are, you know, not disrupting every single play, which felt like was happening for a while there, um, they can be run on. I mean, like, obviously, like, they can give up big plays. They don't have their leading tackler and haven't had him for a long time. When Cam Curl is out, it's a problem. You know, when Benjamin St. Juice is out, it's a problem. So they can't mask all of it if the line isn't doing the things they were doing in the middle of the season. And this past week was a little bit better, you know, than I think it had been against the Giants. Um, and I, again, I really want to see Cleveland because I thought what New York did in the second game was kind of the perfect way to deal with them, especially if you don't have a great offensive line, which like everyone was going crazy. Oh, they didn't sack Daniel Jones. Yeah, he threw the ball in 2.3 seconds. <laughs> like every, like you couldn't, it would be, it was virtually impossible to do it. And I thought what they did personally was the, that would be the roadmap if I was watching going against Washington's defense to go, this is what kind of has to happen. Because if we extend plays against them, we're playing with fire. A bigger picture question for you. Ron Rivera this past offseason talked a lot about this season needing to be a step forward season for the commanders. If they make the playoffs, regardless of how that happens, does this qualify as the step forward season that Ron was seeking? No, I, for me, I think it is. Like if they do go nine, seven and one, make the playoffs and let's see what happens, who they play. I think it's, it's about, I think it is like, um, you know, just consider again, who believed in their quarterback situation at the beginning of the year. They did, but there's a lot of doubt. Um, we went through the offensive line. Clearly they have improved at the skill position set. They have a group that they have not had in a very long time, collectively, I think in a long time where they're that dynamic, that explosive which I think is the disappointment of the offense scoring what they score, that they have these players and they can't seem to figure out a way to score 24 points. It's frustrating, really. Um, the defensive line played collectively to its potential, I think, for the first time collectively. Um, as the, This is what we were talking about three, four years ago when they were all on the team together, that this is what it would be. And I feel like they'll go as far as that group goes. It will take them. And I thought they had an outstanding year. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more here down the stretch because I think we need them to carry them to the playoffs. But um, I think it's been better. And, you know, there's been a lot of growth with younger players like Derek Forrest has been really turned out to be a very good young player. Benjamin St. Juice turned out to be a very good young player. So I like where they're at. I really do. They're going to have similar questions that they do in the offseason one way or the other. It starts at quarterback, and then there's clearly some holes they need to address and fill. But I think they're in position to do it short of a decision that they want to go trade for Lamar Jackson or something like that where they want to kind of mess with their cap. Um, so I think, like, I do think a step has been taken here. But clearly the last two weeks, 9-7-1 and one and 7-9-1 and one, one feels so utterly different from one another. That again, I'm not sure I can answer that question, but I'll ask you this: What did you think their record would be when the start when the season started? Uh, I thought nine and eight, maybe ten and seven. I did too. I think I publicly said that. You know, like I, I said, because of the schedule, it looks like it might be weaker. I think they might get to ten, but I feel like nine and eight. Well, guess what? You know, I know it was a really odd way to get around to it, but here they are. They're kind of exactly where I thought they'd be. 
But I do think it's important. It would be his first over 500 record here. I think that's important. I think it's really important. Like to have it, say it, um, and to use it moving forward. And I think, listen, for me, I think like the players want to win, like ultimately. And I think it matters to make the playoffs when it, for a carryover. So I'd like to see them win these last two games. I really don't think they have a lot of excuses not to, frankly. And hopefully they will. And then let's see who they draw. All right. The radio voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. Uh, Bram, great to catch up, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Well, the Capitals on Tuesday night played their first game since this past Friday night, and the Caps picked up right where they left off. The Caps won again. They improved to 20, 13, and 4 with a 4 nothing win at the New York Rangers on Tuesday night. The Caps are surging, my friends. Uh, they now have won 10 of their last 11 games. Uh, also, the Caps now have won six consecutive road games, tying a franchise record for the most consecutive road wins in a regular season, and this is happening as the Caps continue to be without so many key players. You know, we on Tuesday got bad news regarding defenseman John Carlson. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, the Caps placed him on injured reserve, and head coach Peter Laviolette, in his comments to reporters after the morning skate, said that Carlson is out for a, quote, long-term, end quote. Uh, Carlson in the Caps' previous game prior to Tuesday night's the 4-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets at Capital One Arena this past Friday night was struck on the side of the head slash face by a slap shot by Jets defenseman Brendan Dillon. Uh, Carlson was taken to a hospital for precautionary reasons. Uh, now the Caps on Tuesday night did get back defenseman Alexander Alexiev. Uh, he returned from an upper body injury that he suffered in a 4-1 win over the Seattle Kraken at Capital One Arena on December 9th. But the Caps on Tuesday night remained without a number of players due to injury. Uh, forwards Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Carl Haglin, and Beck Malenstein, and defenseman Martin Faravari. But the Caps on Tuesday night won. Uh, goaltender Darcy Kemper pitched a shutout. He stopped all 32 of the shots on goal that he faced. He, per natural stat trick, stopped all eight of the high danger shots on goal that he faced. You know, Kemper in this 2022-2023 regular season now has three shutouts tied for the most in the NHL. Uh, also, Kemper in this 2022-2023 regular season now has 10 wins, making the Caps the first team in this NHL regular season to have two goaltenders each with at least 10 wins, Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. Uh, the Caps on Tuesday night, great on special teams. Caps went 5-5 five of five on the penalty kill and got a shorthanded empty net goal. Uh, this from winger Connor Sheary, 16-58 into the third period. Uh, Sheary also had a primary assist and a game-high tying plus-minus rating of plus three. He did commit a third-period high-sticking minor penalty, but also the Caps went 1-3 on the power play. A winger Marcus Johansson scored a power play goal 8-44 into the first period. Defenseman Eric Gustafson continued his great recent play. He on Tuesday night, had an even strength goal and a secondary assist, also provided some good minutes on the penalty kill. A lot to like from the Caps on Tuesday night. Here was Peter Laviolette during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night on the Caps win, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic. No, I thought we were, I thought it was good. Um, a lot of things were good. Certainly Darcy was really good in that. I thought the penalty kill was really good. Um, I thought we were, you know, came out good too. I think that was important coming off the break, just having a good start, a good first period. So, um it was, there were some positives tonight for sure. You said the morning skate is going to take everyone to yeah. give a little bit more. Yeah. Do you feel like this was a good one? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought everybody chipped in. If you look at the way the, the scoring was dished around and the, the penalty kill chipped in, the power play scored us a goal and you know goals from different lines and big goaltending effort. And so I thought it was really good. Yes, it was. Uh, winger Alex Ovechkin on Tuesday night did have a rather quiet game, uh, probably his quietest game of the season. Ovi had no points, just one shot on goal and just one total shot attempt the entire game. Uh, he did have three hits, but not much happening with Ovi on Tuesday night off the great game that he had in that win over the Jets this past Friday night. Two goals, a secondary assist, a game-high seven shots on goal, a game-high 10 total shot attempts and three hits. And of course, for Ovechkin in that game, the two goals gave him 802 career NHL regular season goals and moved him past Gordie Howe for the 
second most regular season goals in NHL history. But that's okay. The grade eight is entitled to an off night. The Caps are on fire right now. They're up to third in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, the Caps have 44 points and are just two points behind the New Jersey Devils for second. Next up for the Caps, home to the Ottawa Senators, Thursday night at 7. Well, it finally happened. The Wizards on Tuesday night had all of their players available to them for a game. First time in this 2022-2023 NBA regular season that that was the case. And not so coincidentally, the Wizards won on Tuesday night. Uh, They won for a third time in four games off having lost 13 of 14 games. The Wizards improved to 14 and 21 overall with a 116-111 win over the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena. Uh, also, the Wizards snapped the 76ers' eight-game winning streak. Uh, here was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night. Well, I mean, I think we have we knew, you know, at some point we'd get to this where you have bodies back and we have a lot of talent. A lot of depth, a lot of versatility. Um, at times, guys get squeezed, and I've had conversations with, with uh, most of them. But um, I think guys are just bought into, you know, trying to get our, get ourselves back on track and winning games. So whatever that means, and they know. I mean, it, you know, I'm going to use guys if they're not playing well. I'm going to go a different different route. If it's foul trouble, if it's you know uh, whatever it may be, we're going to use that guy to help us, you know, try to get a win. And the Wizards on Tuesday night got a win. Uh, They led for the entire second half, although they did see a 16-point third-quarter lead get cut to one point in the fourth quarter. But Deddy Avdia, a key block on Joel Embiid with 23 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And the Wizards nursing a three-point lead at 111-108. Deddy was back. He returned from a two-game absence caused by lower back soreness, played for 20 minutes, one second off the bench. Will Barton was back off having missed the Wizards' previous game, the 125-111 win at the Sacramento Kings on Friday night due to lower back soreness. Although, very interestingly, Barton on Tuesday night did not play at all. Uh, He was listed as a DNP CD. Did not play due to coach's decision. Uh, Not sure if that was because of his back. Uh, Not sure if that was a matchup thing. Uh, Not sure if that was because Barton overall has not had a very good season, but that was notable. Will Barton a DNP CD on Tuesday night? Uh, We did also have this from an injury standpoint for the Wizards. Bradley Beal hurt his left hamstring. Uh, Severity not yet known, but Beal got hurt again. Uh, He on Tuesday night played for 29 minutes, 52 seconds as a starter. He went three of five on threes, five of 10 on twos. Did not register a single free throw attempt. That was interesting because the Wizards on Tuesday night generated a lot of free throw attempts. Beal had zero, but he did finish with 19 points, five assists versus three turnovers and two blocks. Yeah, the Wizards had a mixed game offensively, 11 of 33 on threes, 28 of 52 on twos, 27 of 31 on free throws. The Wiz did a good job of getting to the free throw line, but the Wizards on Tuesday night also had 18 assists versus 18 turnovers, including an astounding nine turnovers in the first quarter. Uh, The Wizards had a mixed game defensively, did hold the 76ers to just six of 31 on threes. That was great, although a good bit of that was just the Sixers missing shots. But the Wizards also allowed the 76ers to go 31 of 45 in the paint and to generate 31 free throw attempts of their own. Uh, The 76ers, like the Wizards, went 27 of 31 on free throws. And yeah, the Wizards on Tuesday night got worked by Joel Embiid. Uh, He in 35 minutes, 40 seconds as a starter, 48 points, 10 rebounds, including four offensive boards, three blocks, three steals, and one assist versus three turnovers. He went one of five on threes, 16 of 27 on twos, and 13 of 14 on free throws. The Wizards, though, got a good game from their top big, Chris Damps Porzingis, uh, the zinger on Tuesday night, 34 minutes, 38 seconds as a starter, three of five on threes, four of 10 on twos, seven of nine on free throws. He finished with 24 points, 10 rebounds, including three offensive boards, three blocks, two steals, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 14. Uh, the Wizards won despite Kyle Kuzma having it off night. He in 37 minutes, 38 seconds as a starter, went just two and nine on threes and had one assist 
versus four turnovers. He did go two of four on twos and four of five on free throws, finished with 14 points and eight rebounds. But a good win for the Wizards in their first game off the season-long six-game road trip. Next up for the Wizards, a game on Wednesday night, home to the Phoenix Suns at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 474. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders as they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their penultimate game of this 2022 regular season. The 7-7-1 Commanders home to the 6-9 Cleveland Browns this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Wednesday expect to have post-practice press conferences for head coach Ron Rivera and the man who is the Commanders starting quarterback, uh, Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke. We still don't know for sure. We should find out on Wednesday. Uh, also on Thursday's show, I'll talk Wizards. So the Wizards are home to the Phoenix Suns Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Well,